are listening to Neurosalience, the OHBM podcast. Welcome to the Organization for Human Brain Mapping Neurosalience podcast. I'm your host, Peter Banatini. Here I interview brain scientists and discuss their work as well as the latest advancements and challenges in the field of brain mapping. This episode is timely. On the podcast today are the leaders of three of the major societies. Ron Mangan is a member of the leadership board of the Cognitive Neuroscience Society. Fernando Calamante is the president of the International Society for Magnetic Residence in Medicine. And Randy Golub is president of the Organization for Human Brain Mapping. All of these societies are planning in-person meetings for the spring and early summer of 2022. CNS, Cognitive Neuroscience, Society will be from April 13th to the 26th in San Francisco. ISMRM will be from May 7th to 12th in London. And OHBM will be from June 19th to the 23rd in Glasgow. All the meetings will have a virtual component, but the precise logistics for how to best simultaneously put on the virtual and in-person meetings all agreed are tricky and still being ironed out. We start the discussion by going over how these societies had to quickly pivot and then scramble once COVID hit, and then talked about the challenges and lessons learned from this experience. We discuss what they anticipate and look forward to for the meetings in the spring, as well as some of the benefits that have come out of this deeply challenging time. This was a fun, informative discussion, but was also a glimpse into how the leaders are all struggling with this new landscape of hybrid meeting planning. While there were some differences in particular strategies used by each society, there was overall a strong convergence in the approaches. Just a quick background on each of the leaders. So Fernando Calamante is director of the Sydney Imaging Core Research Facility at the University of Sydney. Randy Gallup, is professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and clinical professor of psychiatry with a secondary appointment in radiology at the Mass General Hospital. And Ron Mangan is director of the Center for Mind and Brain and also a distinguished professor of psychology and neurology at the University of California, Davis. Enjoy the discussion. Okay, uh, thank you, uh, Ron Mangan, Randy Golub, and Fernando Calamante. Uh, all the uh, the leadership from OHBM, or actually from CNS and respectively CNS, OHBM, and ISMRM, uh, here today to uh, just talk about, I think what what's on a lot of people's minds, uh, sort of, you know, how we're going to handle, you know opening back up again after, you know, hopefully COVID, uh, you know, gets, works itself through and we can open up again. Uh, and, you know, all the things that, you know, all the meetings had to scramble and it's been kind of a mess. And uh, maybe just by, to start this conversation, uh, we can just talk a little bit, you know, each of you just to talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what you went through when COVID first hit. So like, you know, and, and then maybe what you learned about hybrid meetings uh, or not even hybrid meetings, purely virtual meetings and what you had to do and how that may have affected 
uh, membership or attendance or, or just scientific dissemination in general. So uh, maybe I'll start with, uh, with, with Ron here. So. Sure. Well, first, Peter, thanks for inviting me. And this is really a timely uh, podcast you're doing. So I'm really happy to be here. As I mentioned before we started, uh, I hope to learn as much as, uh, as I deliver information. So for us, the Cognitive Neuroscience Society, which is uh, about 28 years old, going into its 29th year or so, um, uh, had a dramatic, to us, <laughs> a rather dramatic uh, experience with uh, the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. So our meeting in, in 2020, in the spring, was set for March, I think it was March 15th, middle of March. Yeah. And it was set in Boston. And that's just, uh, as you remember, as we're going into this, um, there were a couple of uh, big, one big meeting in particular that had canceled about a month before, but a lot of people were sort of hanging in there. And then our venue in Boston, which was part of the convention center there in a hotel, uh, all the meetings were still going ahead up until uh, late February. But we were, of course, watching it very carefully and trying to gauge, you know, what the risk and, and what should, you know, I think in those days, like we could all say, nobody really knew what was going on. And yeah. we were all, we were all desperate to try to figure it out. Now, we had a little uh, a kind of gauge, though, and that is one week before us in the same venue at Boston, one of the big international virology meetings was happening. Yeah, that was the one that was a super spreader event, right? <laughs> well, no, no, not that. That was a different one. So, so we were watching this big meeting that was coming in the same space right before us, full of, of, of experts on, on these exact topics. And they were continuing to put their meeting on. They were going to be there March 7th or something. Every day I'd wake up, I, I'm not kidding, and look and see if they had canceled. And then a few people canceled some soccer teams and some events that were coming in the convention center. And so we kind of kept pushing forward uh, with the idea that we're going to have the meeting and people were writing us and there was a lot of concern, but we didn't know enough yet. The super spreader thing wasn't made public at that point, the Boston super spreader. That's right. Yeah. It was just coming. And then the day before this other group was to meet, they pulled the plug. And, and then about five minutes later, we did too. <laughs> Uh, so if the, if the virologists, right, right, and that's and a, epidemi epidemiologists and all of those folks decide that they're not going to meet in that space, it, there was no way we were going to, we were, you know, health first, health and safety first. So we pulled the plug. The, 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 the next step, of course, was to decide what does that mean? Are we simply canceling? We had the full program and we were two weeks away. Well, at this point, we were yeah, about 10 days out or something. And what are we going to do? People hadn't yet started traveling there, so it wasn't you know, that was not as much of a problem. Maybe maybe some people had. So we uh, thought about it carefully, and with absolutely no experience in doing this, we made the decision to pivot to a virtual meeting. So our meeting was entirely in person. It was not a hybrid at that point. We were not simulcasting at that point. We'd had no experience with that technology. So in a very short period of time, we'd been working on it since you know early February trying to figure out what we would do if, you know, what are the companies out there that could help us? What are the technologies? Who knows about anything about this? So we've been doing our homework and uh, we decided to pivot uh, to a virtual meeting and to delay it to give us about five weeks or so to early May. And then we went to work and I'm not kidding. I think it was 10 hours a day, every day for the next five weeks yeah. to get it to happen. 
And what we asked people to do was to record everything and to send their talks. And we did another thing that was, and this was telling about, you know, what did we learn from it? Um, one of the things that we learned was we decided that we could open up the poster sessions because the rest of our meeting, which is mostly organized symposia, was all pretty structured yeah, uh, and award talks and so on. But the, but the posters, which is structured, but I mean, posters are a little different animal. We decided to open a new call for posters. Now we're going to be virtual. Yeah. We knew that there were students and people all over the world who couldn't come, you know, can't make it this year and they decide not to come. And much to my surprise, we picked up, and I don't, I don't have the numbers at the top of my head, but more than 300 additional posters wow. after we opened it up again. Yeah, making it the biggest meeting ever for us in terms of poster presentations. That's, that's so, yeah, so that was remarkable. And what it tells us, of course, is the just what you'd imagine, that there are a lot of people who can't come to the meeting for all sorts of reasons. And uh, the idea that you can have a virtual meeting and have this inclusivity as part of it, uh, I think is a really important thing. That's one of the big things that all of us are going to, I'm sure, talk about. And it's one of the things that we learned and it's guiding, trying to guiding our decisions as we go forward here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. How about Randy? Uh, uh, I, I just have a quick follow-up question for Ron, if that's okay. It's like, sure. what did you, how did you manifest your poster experience? What was that like? What, what was actually, what was it like for the poster presenters and for the attendees? How did you make that yeah. work? Well, it was we we contracted with a group that that does virtual meetings, and so we used their platform, and it was uh, sort of a, simply a virtual poster a booth. Every person got a booth, and this is two years ago now. This is right at this is at the pandemic time, the start of the pandemic. Everybody got a booth on this website, and they could upload their poster. And um, we didn't have any uh, way to interact in that system, but the but of course all the young folks figured that out real quick. They post their Zoom link in there. And then they would, and they would all jump on it. At some point, somebody says, "Hey, people are zooming at their posters." And I said, "How? how what does that mean? How? Why? You know, it's a classic, classic answer from my generation. How does that go?" And uh, they were, they just figured it out. And so then I zoomed, I jumped on a couple of those and saw, and it was, you know, it's ten people standing, around, you know, all talking. So that's how we did it the first year. We didn't intend for that. We, if we would have known, we would have just advertised it. But we were just, you know, we were just scrambling with no experience. The second year was of course a whole different arrangement. Now you have a year and you have experience in your pockets. So, so 2021, we did the whole meeting virtual as planned uh, in advance and we used a different platform. And now uh, we built in some tools uh, in advance to have these kind of interactions. And we, I, I don't like to, I, I don't wanna use the, mention the exact tools that we use because I wanna be able to speak freely and, and we may change them. But we used a tool that allowed for the social interaction, one of those kinds of tools that exist yeah, at, yeah. at the posters. And, and that helped. Oh, but I think that even something as simple as everybody has a Zoom thing at a certain time it is works really well. Yeah. And then we also, but what I maybe didn't say was people pre, for their posters pre-recorded the presentation as well for the first meeting and for the second. So you could, you had your time where you're going to be there and people come on live, but you also, anytime you want, you can go see the poster as a big PDF, or you can click on the video. And we've got some hilarious videos that were, you know, again, creative, uh, especially trainees who would uh, make use of the fact that they were boxes on a screen and looking back and forth at one another. Maybe you can imagine that looking up and down. Okay. Why don't you tell about the method? Yeah, I'll tell about the thing. It was great. 
That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, if anything, yeah, we should talk about that more too, of all the creativity that kind of came out of this. I mean, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of interesting things as far as that's concerned, but, but Randy, I don't know. I'm right. You were sort of part of the leadership, but at the same time, you, you know, like, yeah. 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 So as chair elect, I, you know, I was watching what happened, but, um, the, uh, oh, it, for OHBM, the timing was just slightly enough staggered that we had, uh, you know, advance warning that of months <laughs> that we had to pivot, and so not days, and so we were able to keep our same dates for the meeting, which occurs in June. But the decision to pivot came in March. I mean, everything shut in March, so we had from March till June to switch, and um, we went with a, a vendor that you know was able to support much of the content shifting and, and much of the ways that, that Ron was talking about where the, um, the, the plenary talks were live streamed, uh, but there were recordings available. Um, we scrambled to get more things recorded. And then the posters just were very, very challenging as that platform did not support the posters. But we have a, an amazing cohort of uh, attendees that include some really savvy folks who learned how to scrape all the poster material out of the system and built a, a giant, again, one of these social media platforms that allows people to visit and go in and social interact in there. Again, I, I will also, to speak freely, not use the names of things. And, and there was, you know, there's a little bit of a tension between, you know, the official grown-up way you're supposed to go to the meeting and handle these things, and then the way that they figured out how to make it work. And, and they both had pluses and minuses, none of it was as good as being in person by far. There's not a person who told me that, you know, all things being equal, they just love this virtual and never go back in person. But the inclusivity piece about how many people could come and could participate and who have small children, but could still be there or have disabilities, but could still be here or had funding constraints or could still be there or, you know, had travel restrictions in their home that would have been there whether it was COVID or not, and they could be there. That was a huge win. So that was that that was really lifted up in a really big way um, in that year and 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 in the next year. So we were all virtual the second year, and again had as you said had the time to plan. We went all feet in on a investment with a, a another platform that uh, and we created something called Planet Brain. We made our own unique universe that. Uh, we had brains doing yoga and we had, you know, plenary sessions in their own rooms and we had screening. We had, it was, it was actually parts of it worked extremely well. There were parts of our, co of our, of our community that loved how well it worked. And particularly that group that had learned how to hack into the previous one, our open science team that, that developed software tools and was very, very creative and very um, tech savvy they made wonderful use of that platform and really facilitated a lot of their work. The, you know, the hackathons went merged in smoothly. Our student postdoc SIGs, you know, they were able to interact in ways that were pretty robust, but still uh, there was a huge, huge frustration with, you know, the, the, the quality of the experience did not live up to its full hopes or expectations. It was still like a teenage event working to grow up. And so um, we're still we're still working with that. So there were a lot of wins to that. And there were a lot of um, there are a lot of limitations. And so the we were able to live stream the talks, you know, record, you know, people were speaking live. And we did something that I think 
there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, innovation that arose in that second year was that all of our big keynote speakers um, and plenary talks, the Telerac talks, they pre-recorded their content and it was available for screening and people got into it, you know, a little bit before the meeting. But then during the scheduled time when they were delivering it in person, they gave a, a sort of a condensed version, like a 20 minute version. And our, our uh, program committee would be on as a moderator and they brokered this wonderful question and answer sort of exploratory conversation with the keynote speakers that our audience both, you know, everybody was virtual could could uh, you know chat in their questions and and send in information. So it was much more interactive than a typical keynote would be. And I think there was a lot, of, and they and we also because it was all virtual and we were trying as an international society trying so hard to, you know, reach. You know, we wanted Fernando and all of his team to come. We wanted everybody to come in Australia and Asia and everywhere. And so we actually ran this at multiple time times. The same things would would rotate in multiple time zones, and so that more people could access it and then the same speaker would do that same thing interactively a couple times and so that there's also a richness to that that would happen you know because we had really great um there's so many wonderful people doing this work and they're very eloquent and they can carry on these great conversations and so i think that made it much more lively and then we left the site up for and i think it's might still be up um <laughs> So that the, the the recorded talks people could go into for you know long after the meeting was over, and that was really beneficial. That you know people kept coming back to look at stuff for a long time. Uh, you know, the tailing off was slow. Yeah. I'll pause there. There's a lot more, but that's a good start. Yeah, that's a great start. Um, yeah, I remember that. I mean, right? There was a lot of yeah. It's nice how how it's sort of the community sort of stepped up to solve some of these problems and. Yeah, and uh, and right, we'll talk about all the all the potential you know positive things coming out of this, and I think there were, and I think also not only did the meeting have to figure out how to give this sort of thing, but the audience, I, I sort of got better at doing virtual meetings over time as well the second year, um, but yeah, Fernando, uh, I just remember watching ISMRM and just wondering what the heck are they going to do, and I'm feeling bad for Larry <laughs> Wald who was the president at the time and yeah. thinking, oh my gosh. This is a disaster because <laughs> you kept on putting it off, and then so yeah, yeah. Tell me, yeah, yeah. For, for us, I mean, there are some analogies with with Ron and Randy, but also some very differences. And I guess the key one is maybe what the one you're referring that our meeting was scheduled to be in May in Sydney here in Australia, and as you might remember, um, Australia one was one of the countries that very very quickly kind of locked the borders, closed the borders. Nobody could come, nobody could leave. And the distance also was a factor. So kind of very quickly became obvious that it wasn't going to be doable, the meeting in Sydney. Mm -hmm. uh, but still we thought that it could be, uh, there was a chance to do it still in, in person. So that, I mean, there was a lot of work for the, the central office to try to arrange. So we managed to move the city to the meeting to uh, Paris was going to then be. Yes, you know, right. you moved to Paris, right. Yeah, and kind of that was what we kind of was kind of as late as we could push it without, without affecting too much the 2021 meeting. Um, so kind of we it, moved, it was moved from May in um, Sydney to August in Paris. Uh, but then as things evolved and get, obviously the pandemic got worse and worse and worse became obvious that then that wasn't gonna be possible too. And then that's when the call had to be made that we moving to virtual. So for poor, you know, Doug Nold, that was a, the program chair for that year, you had to organize a meeting for Sydney, then organize a meeting for uh, an impressive yes. meeting for Paris, then organize a virtual meeting for. Uh, oh for my God. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I don't, it's not, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, the, but I, I think, I mean, and I think probably the experience with also with CNS and, and OPM, I think that, you know, the community was very understanding that this was something that we all have to, you know, react in our, on our feet there. And, and even though the meetings were obviously not as interactive as, you know, all the networking is gone, all the things, you know, the, the, I, I was surprised how understanding and how, you know, accepting everybody was because they saw that, you know, we were put in all in a situation where it was completely unpredicted, completely not done. And, um, and we were all trying to do our best to present the best meeting that could be done. And so it was, I thought it was great how people responded very, very well, the, the people attended. Yeah. Our side, the, the, what in some way were complicated a bit things and we knew when we made a decision was that if we push it till August in 2020, that meant that we didn't have a full year. We didn't want to start shifting things. We wanted to go back to the original schedule. Yes. Um, so that meant that that year, so the meeting that just uh, that was this year in May 2021, everything got shrunk. Mm. And and I remember at the time, you know, um, with Nicole, that was a program chair, Nicole Cyberlich and, and Tim Line of the president. Oh, you know, we were very concerned that between a shorter time and the people have been kept away from their labs, you know, how much work was going to be submitted. That was a, a real concern at the meeting of the 2021. Mm. There was a big, big relief when it got to the uh, submission day, and we got again very, very good and, and healthy numbers of abstracts, even though it had been a shorter time and all that. But that was, I think, a, an extra source of stress um, for all, for everybody because suddenly year became became a much shorter time for everybody. Uh, and the same, you can imagine, for organizing the meeting, planning the meeting, and everything got shrunk together. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, but apart from that, you know, it's very similar to, to what Ron and Randy said, that is, you know, trying to find ways to, uh, how we could use the, the technology of Savala, what could be implemented. Uh, and, but as I said, I think the key one is that uh, the attendees were very understanding and, and then embraced that situation that still got the most of what it could be done, you know. Yeah, everybody understood that is, we were trying to do all our best. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems that at that time, right, all the meeting software tools, I mean, it, no one had virtual meeting software tools. And so that was all just kind of crude. But then that, you know, that's one thing that could be a huge catalyst in the future is that that will, that's a big market now. It's going to be hugely, much more sophisticated, um, you know, as we go to, you know, even hybrid meetings or whatever. And so, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, people struggled. By, you know, it's funny because I feel like, Right. I mean, we could talk about this too, but I mean, there's there's huge benefits of being in person. Um, but at the same time, uh, you might actually be able to get uh, the information and be able to hold on to it more and refer to it better if it's virtual. So, I mean, there's all kinds of trade-offs, obviously, but you know, overall, everyone wants in person. But yeah, yeah, and I agree, Peter. I'm sure we can discuss it more later on. But it's one of the things that I noticed, and I'm coming from a non. Uh, English speaking background originally. Um, it, it is a big advantage for uh, people with, um, uh, with English might be the, you know, not that comfortable. It is so much easier to follow a talk and pause it and play it again and all that um, to understand it than be on, on a room full of noise surrounded by people talking to each other and all that and suddenly have to listen to a, a presenter. So there are definitely some benefits. Um, and, and that's, for example, the pre-recorded talks 
it was something that people really welcome. Uh, I mean, it has some disadvantages that also we can discuss. It seems to then spread the one week meetings have been spreading for two, three, or whatever it is, weeks. It's just, uh, mm -hmm. But it does have, it does come with benefit, and we can obviously discuss that more later on. Yeah, that's a really good point about how, how you know, obviously you have to deal with time zones, but also just dealing with the patience of, you know, I, I have a hard time sitting in front of the computer listening to talks for some, you know, it's like you have to spread it out longer as well, it seems. And I don't know how all of you uh, dealt with that as well, but uh, um, was, there, was the meeting, I mean, yeah, so with OHBM, it was, it was, a, it was two weeks, right? I mean, so... so so we did two different things, you know, in different years. And you know, the first year we did spread it out over, uh, it, it tried, we tried to condense it all because we didn't know any better, just like we tried to virtually match it. The second year it did get spread out <clears throat> because there was so much going on and we couldn't count on people holding still and we didn't want to cut any content and, and on and on. And so, you know, there, it, it didn't, we, we spread the we spread it out by making the education program be its own separate week That's and right. I think the education week <clears throat> educational programming which attracted you know a, as good as ever of an attendance it, I think the attendance was as high as it even was ever in person and we got I got very good feedback um, we did a lot of surveying asking people what they thought about it and collected tried to collect data on what people were saying about their experiences through this whole thing. And they, you know, in this past year where we had time to plan and we were on our all virtual platform, that platform supported the educational interactions quite well. And there were no, it was not a lot of complaining about it, uh, a lot of complaints with it that, you know, there was enough bandwidth, people had time, it was the right amount, it worked well. When we moved, when we upped it to the, you know, the thousands of people that were trying to be on the platform simultaneously and do all different things um, that didn't hold up to that. And that was more of a strain. And it honestly, it was it was really hard from the perspective of those of us who are running the meeting and the office that supports all this to have a conference that's running literally almost 24 hours a day, day after day after day. If you're trying, you know, because when people are in person for a meeting, even if it's a long day, it's seven to seven, or you know, then you go out and socialize or whatever. But when you're virtual, you're 24 hours because that you know we you know OHBM's membership has is very heavy and uh, we have a wonderful contingent in China and Korea and Singapore and we have people you know a wonderful group in Australia we have one, you know and we are we are not on one time zone even remote remotely and uh, and while I think there you know people are very good natured about staying up late or getting up early to try and get what they want. Um, it's still, I think it was biased. We had much, much better attendance in the band that uh, mapped to peak hours for North America and Europe. Um, and even though we offered all the content at the Asia Europe bandwidth, it was, we had many fewer people. And I, and that brings up another point, which is I think access, um, even with the best attention to trying to get tools and, and, uh, and technologies that are globally robust, there are a lot of countries and a lot of places and institutions and people who don't have access to, you know, really good quality internet or who have, you know, uh, filtering things that happen that, you know, if they could get out to the meeting, they can actually interact much more openly and capably, but the internet does pose challenges. Um, and so I, it's hard to assess, you know, that because they can't really tell us. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. You're right. I, it actually never occurred to me that, right. I mean, it's great to have access if people can't travel, but then they might not have as much access if they have 
regulations. So, so let me just, uh, uh, oh, Rada, do you want to add something? I, I, I was about to go into what you plan, um, but, uh, but yeah, so what, what are you planning? Maybe, maybe um, you could start talking about that. So what, what's the plan for, so I'll start with Ron because um, uh, uh, CNS is uh, in April, it's coming up April 23rd to 26th in San Francisco. Uh, you know, the poster submission deadline is January 11th. Symposium submission deadline is December 15th. And uh, mm -hmm. so what are your plans for, for CNS? Uh, how do you plan on uh, putting it on in person? Is there a hybrid version? Is there contingency plans in case it has to cancel? Uh, or you like- you Yeah, said, you yeah, this is where I sign off. Nice talking to you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we made the decision uh, last year to, to, of course, go virtual again. And at that time we were able to negotiate with our venue uh, to delay our contract for a year, uh, but with a pretty firm contract then. And so we've been keeping our, all of our fingers and appendages crossed um, in the last year or so, hoping that April 2022 uh, would look good. Right now it looks okay. And we are planning to have an in-person meeting in San Francisco, California, April 23rd to 26th, 2022. And um, people want that, as, as everybody has said. It's uh, something that people desire. They're, in fact, they're craving it. And, and, in for, and for a lot of interesting reasons. And I think that you know, one of the reasons that is obvious once you say it, but isn't always what the first thing out of people's mouths, people say, oh, I'm stuck at home and I'm, you know, I'm just tired of this. I want to get out and see people again. I want to have the life I used to have. Well, about 75% of the people who attend the Cognitive Neuroscience Society meeting are trainees at doctoral, postdoctoral levels. And some of those folks have never been to the meeting yet. And so for them, it's not sort of just want to get back to normal. It's like they'd like to have a career. They'd like to have an experience. They'd like to have the chance to go and present their work to somebody face-to-face. -face. So it's it, so we're, we take that very seriously. You know, we think that that's really important. It's one of the reasons, by the way, Recognize, recognizing this about the attendees of our meeting, it's one of the reasons that we put in the effort to sort of dramatically pivot to that uh, and over a short period of time to that virtual meeting the very first year, because we've, we, we very strongly felt, the governing board felt that, uh, that the people that were gonna be harmed were the people we least wanted to have harmed by this. And so we needed, we wanted to give them an, some experience. And so, so we're gonna go forward with an in-person meeting, assuming that everything stays roughly as it is now. And we're a bit lucky, of course, it depends on where you are in the world and what the local government situation is and so on. San Francisco, California is a, is a good place to be right at this moment. Uh, California is doing well. San Francisco has been very aggressive on health and safety. Uh, they have great policies in place. The hotel uh, and, and convention area that we're using has uh, great policies in place. And we're pretty confident that if nothing changes, which of course, we all know with the variants and so on, there's it's all up in here, uh, can be up in here, but we, we're feeling confident going into it that this is the best of possibilities right now. Okay. The timing is great. Also end of April, if it were earlier, some years were a month earlier or so, and that would have been a little more touching. So we're hoping for the best and uh, we're pu pushing forward with an in-person meeting, but it's going to be, a, we, we intend for it and we're still working on the details. So if you're a member of the society or someone who was going to come to the meeting, you're, you're learning something right here uh, on this blog. You know, we're still working on exactly how to how to 
push it out in the hybrid version as well. One of the things that we decided uh, when we went through the COVID-19 experience and putting on the, the virtual meetings the last two years was is that we didn't want to go back exactly to the in-person meeting by itself as it was in the old days. We, we feel very strongly and many of our members feel very strongly. And when I say we, I mean our members because that's who we are. It's all the membership, right? Uh, you know, we feel very strongly about the carbon footprint concerns, very strongly about inclusivity and, and very, very strongly about giving uh, people the opportunity to present their work and to interact uh, who can't do it for lots of reasons. Some of the reasons that Randy said. And there are a lot of reasons, it's not just about COVID-19 or about money, it's about politics, it's about personal health. Uh, it's about having uh, you know, three kids under the age of five at home, whatever it is, right? Or elderly parents that you gotta take care of. And we want those people to have access. So, so we're working through, I mean, literally as we speak, uh, exactly how we're gonna manage that. And there's some, you know, there's some technical things that you have to deal with that are out sort of a little bit outside of your control when you go to a, a venue, you know, you have to rely a little bit on the infrastructure at the venue you're using. You have to figure out how that's exactly gonna work. And, and of course, all of those places are just figuring that out themselves right now as well. Yeah. So they don't have a solution. They don't say, oh yeah, we always do the following. Well, they haven't done it before. <laughs> so, so you're kind of leading them, you know, you're like a beta site in a sense, but, but uh, we're moving forward with this and we, we uh, we're working on just exactly how, but, but the other part of it is, and this is something that uh, the way we announced it, we actually need to, uh, we're, we're working right now, editing how we're pushing out information to folks. We always feel like our information isn't quite good enough. And so we're always trying a little harder. Um, uh, we are making it the, the request that if you're like in the past, if you're going to come give a talk, if you're going to organize a symposia, which is most of our, presentations or these symposia and there's only we, we run them in parallel now but only usually two or sometimes three that's about it so for many years we we had no parallel sessions and we kind of had to finally let go of that but uh it's still a little bit smaller meeting than the other meetings so we still want people to attend though that's our first re request requirement is too strong of a term right because we're doing this to ourselves as a society uh, you know we want people to say well i'm coming to the meeting just as they would have several years ago. If you're going to if you're going to present and and assuming all of the things line up, I mean, of course, you can't come if your country won't let you out. You can't come if our country won't let you in. Right. You can't come if you have health issues or other problems or restrictions. And maybe none of us can come if everything goes turns south, right? But but assuming that things are looking good. So I'm at University of California at Davis. We're a university of forty thousand people, and we're all on campus. We're teaching in person. Uh, the campus is, looks pretty normal when you walk across the campus. Everybody's, you know, the people, there are people working remotely. We're still, we still have that option and so on, but everything otherwise is back to normal. And it's, it's, it's enabled in our situation, thankfully, by the fact that we have regular testing and requirements and so on. So we're in a good situation, but, you know, we're already doing that. And I think that there's a lot of reason to be positive that we can, we'll be able to do this at the meeting if nothing changes. And then the question for everybody is that every individual person has to make their own decision about what they feel comfortable with. We understand that coming or not and how they're going to handle it. And then, and then we're just struggling right now. To, and I hope to learn something from my colleagues here about the best way to, uh, to create a hybrid meeting where we don't lose the in-person part. You know, if you're going to get, if, uh, this is a big concern for, I think anybody, if you're going to have an in-person meeting, 
and someone is going to get on an airplane and fly to the meeting. Nobody wants to sit in a room and watch a virtual presentation. Right. That doesn't, doesn't, make, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, right? Doesn't yeah. make any sense. That's the risk. So, yeah. So the meeting can be smaller. So we don't. So that's why we're going with the idea. No, this is this is a this is an in-person meeting. You're coming to an in-person meeting. But for those who can't come, we don't want to leave them behind for all the inclusivity and carbon footprint reasons and the future of hybrid meetings. We don't want to lose all that. So this is our test case. You know, we're we're on the raw cutting edge of trying to figure out how to get this right. And we're you know we're hearing a lot from our membership and we're getting suggestions and and. As Fernando said earlier, you know, it's, it's really remarkable. And, and I, I just have to say it's remarkable the extent to which people have been understanding and willing to help. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful community that we get to be part of in academia and science, right? And, and people have, the best side has come out. Sure, people are upset about some things sometimes, but the best sides have come out. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's what we're seeing as well with this upcoming meeting. People are really trying to figure out, okay, how would we make this work? And how can it be fair and equitable and yet exciting and so on? How can those trainees get their first meeting or the first meeting before they're on the job market, right? Uh, whatever it might be. And how can we make that something special? All the things that we got to do you know, in our careers, we were developing. How can we deliver that for those people and keep them safe at the same time? You know, you can imagine, I was just thinking about the, the virtual you know, uh, in-person uh, options, but I mean, you can imagine, right, only having the streaming out, you know, you could actually have the real time in person, but also have that stream out. And then if somebody cancels at the last minute, they can make a recording, but that could be, you know, after the fact, they can actually, you know, it's sort of like a sort of a disincentive to do that, but they still would not be penalized too much or something like that. that that's know? right. I mean, I think, you know, in, in a normal times, people get sick, you know, they could get a bad cold or something, they can't travel or they just can't manage or their flight gets canceled and they can't come. And then and the policies are not really much different for now as they, as they were in the past, which is the symposia chair, in our case, symposia chairs, have the opportunity to replace the person, uh, drop the person if they feel that they've got a big enough, you know, they got instead of five people, they have four. Okay, so there's more time for discussion. That's not always bad. Or, or you know, in the past, we've had times over the last 20 years where people uh, zoomed in and what was Skyped in or something or sent a recording. We've done that a few times. So I, I don't, that hasn't changed, you know, so we still have, of course, all of that flexibility and, and we need it. You know, people are going to have a lot of travel challenges and things can come up at the last minute. And, you know, you could just be getting ready to get on the plane and have a positive test and uh, that's it then. So I, I think that in some sense, that's not so different, you know, as it was. I think the, the real difference for us as a society is we've never done the, live streaming of things and we're trying to figure out how to make that work in a seamless way uh, but we do hope that people come to san francisco and, and people tell us that they want to that they've just in fact they're begging us to put on a meeting so um let's let's hope that uh, everybody cross your fingers simultaneously please yeah and this is sort of like a question also um yeah no it's i hope it happens right but this is a question for everyone too is there you know, an objective criteria for for canceling the in-person version is it, or is it just ma basically sort of you know coming together yeah. and meeting and seeing what happens? Um, but well, for us, for us, I think it's you know we've thought about this. I mean, you know, we trust our colleagues. If people say they're going to come give their talk, mm -hmm. that's all they have to tell us. And when they at the last minute something happens, something changes, and they say, "I really can't now," 
I think we take that at face value, you know, and then we go through this procedure of what are we going to do? Replace them, drop them, zoom them in. What what is the what does the chair want to do for the science? So that, that's that's a by session decision as opposed to like what about the whole meeting? Like, is there what would happen if you know variant Z happens and oh. suddenly, <laughs> yeah, and then we like then we pivot we we pivot to twenty twenty one then. <laughs> That's the backup plan. We okay. haven't talked about backup plans yet. I mean, no, there's the, absolutely a backup plan. But is there a decision, like for instance, um, I mean, it's just basically just, you know, this is the hard part, right? I mean, where, where you're sort of like, you know, look, I don't even know exactly what happened with uh, SFN, for instance, um, but I mean, there must've been some decision criteria where they yeah. said, oh, well, infection rate, or, or maybe it was just simply determined by the, you know, the, the rate of in-person, uh, attendance, like they projected, like, you know, how much, how many people are actually going to be here? And if it's below a certain number, maybe they, they have to cancel it or something, who knows? Um, uh, so, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty concerned about that. So that, that idea of that, not wanting our members to suffer that we call it bait and switch, where you're planning one thing and you have to go to something else. And it's, and it's very disruptive because you've made certain plans or you've spent money for your travel or whatever it is. You know, it, it causes disruption. I'm, I'm, we've been very mindful thinking about that for OHBM's upcoming meeting. And so, um, and we're are, like what you have said, I think everybody's saying is like people are hungry for coming in person for all those reasons and all the other things. So, yes, and everything was said. Um, for OHBM, what we're working on is a very clear timeline and much and really working hard on what will be the rollout of communications yeah. to everybody so that they know what the expectations are. And, and we, almost like your virology conference in Boston, we're really lucky that we're gonna be in Glasgow, Scotland, which is also a beautiful, beautiful place to be that people are very happy and eager to go to. It also happens to have won like a million awards for being green and being one of the, you know, for all its sustainability things and healthy food and, and all this stuff. And so um, we're really delighted. And, and also the global climate climate conference is scheduled to be there in like a week and or 10 days. So we're kind of watching how they do things and figuring if they're going to be able to host the world leaders from all over the globe safely in the time of a pretty bad, you know, COVID's still pretty bad and they're going to manage it. We're really, really psyched that that's going to be our host uh, in June, where hopefully they'll we'll have even all the more lessons learned over the next six months. And so we have negotiated very carefully with them, our contract, which um, has a, a drop dead date, you know, which we are, we're going to widely, you know, let everybody know that, you know, up until May 5th, we can reschedule with them for a future date like you did in San Francisco. And so we will let everybody know that, that you know, that we in leadership of OHBM, our members will know that we will not, you know, go away from an in-person meeting after the date of May 5th. And I can I'll take this one to the bank, unless the disclaimer is unless Scotland or you know powers greater than us say you can't go. It will not be OHBM leadership that will change the in-person meeting after May fifth. And so if people want to wait to make their reservations, or there we've we've been reassured that there's tons of hotels that they've got capacity for you know meeting ten times our size. And so if they want to wait to make their travel plans until after that date, they absolutely can. That's, you know, that's on them to choose. You know, we don't have any punishing deadlines on any of the hotel reservations or anything. And the way we're managing res registration is that anybody who registers for the in-person meeting 
Um, if we cancel it and have to pivot to all virtual, they will be refunded the difference between, you know, and I, actually I should just give another disclaimer. This is what's getting proposed to council. It has not yet been voted on. Like everybody else, we're working everything out. Uh, a council meeting is coming up. We're putting the budget in front of them. We're, you know, it, it, there may be, you know, things that will get modified, but the conceptual frame is that there'll be a lower fee for registering for your virtual meeting, a higher fee for the in-person one. But if we have to pivot at the last moment for reasons that we have no control over, we will reimburse you the difference between the in-person and the and the and the full meeting if we can do that if we if we know that by may 5th because then we'll be able to move and and retain our deposit for a future meeting at the site in the future and so then it's not a loss to the society and so we'll be very clear about all that you know language with them and the goal is to try and have it be in person and as you were saying in we want it to be a real a real experience in person and so the poster session will be in person the virtual component of streaming talks and letting people chat in questions for speakers that can happen in the real meeting which will run on glasgow hours um, and then we'll have a the goal is to have a subsequent virtual full poster extravaganza that we're still working out that will not be at the same time as the main meeting and so poster presenters will do both their duty in person and also their duty virtually and people will have both opportunities and, and all the content, no matter what happens as our safety net, everything's going to be recorded, everything's going to be turned in in advance so that when we if we have to make a pivot it's not a frantic do it crazy thing it's like good quality content that people will want archived and want to have access to and we're really working on improving the experience that people have seeing those recorded content seeing the posters seeing the talks and and creating a richer experience around that because that is a real blessing of this of this pivot yeah yeah so so once again though let's say i mean let's hope right that that you have a lot of people signing up for the meeting and and yeah i think that's and i'm just trying to convey the, the idea that it's really hard to sort of like i mean you'll be the one to make the call if if uh it's crazy. And and one of the things that we also did was like, we just, we went with safety first, like, right. And so what we did is we went ahead and booked for all the space in Glasgow. It's more expensive, but we did. And we did it because if we get lucky and there's this pent up, you know, everybody hasn't been spending their travel budgets, you know, as Fernando said, you know, people have a lot of material. They've got nothing else to do. They can't travel or go anywhere. They're home analyzing data. They've got posters, they've got abstracts, they've got stuff to, you know, they're looking for jobs, they wanna be out. So if we have, you know, the blessing of being inundated with our biggest meeting ever, we have enough space to do it in a COVID safe way so that people have some, you know, can keep some distance, cannot be crowded, can have lots of entrances and exits, have, you know, have that space to do this safely. And, and the COVID protocols, safety protocols are robust in Glasgow and we will enforce every bit of them. And so we can have a big meeting, but in the off chance that, you know, things are dicey and only, you know, the people in Scotland or England and Scotland can get there because they can take a train and it's close enough. We're going to still host that in-person meeting, but we'll be even gladder we have our space because they're going to want even more area around them. And so it's kind of win-win in that respect. And, and so that's what, you know, that's the plan. Yeah. So Fernando, so what, so what are the plans? Yeah. yeah so ISMRM is coming up in May. So yeah, OHBM is June 19th to 23rd. ISMRM is May 12th in London. So so what are yeah, your so I mean, there, I guess there are more than two things to discuss there of, of the bins to be discussed. 
I start with the last one just because um, the one that is closer in my mind. Um, so you ask, uh, is there a, uh, how do you decide when you switch to uh, the, the format? And unfortunately, and I'm sure Randy and Ron would confirm that is there is no magic formula. It's not something you say when you reach to the threshold, you, you switch the button. So if I look back at, at how we did it both in 2020 and 2021, there was tons and tons of meetings by the other leaders, the board, the program chair, the central office, yeah. and keeping an eye on lots of things. So it is really, unfortunately, there is no magic formula. Um, but kind of we, we learn the benefit that we have, let's say that I have now compared to Tim last year and Larry the year before as president, is that I have that experience of what they had to do. And, and for example, one of the things that we learn from the experience is that it's unlikely that we would be changing the date um, because that creates too much extra work for everybody, for the central office, for the program chair, uncertainty for the membership and, 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 the, and the attendees and all that. So it is unlikely that that would be the case yeah. or that would need to be a, a real uh, clear benefit and, uh, to say that we're gonna consider that again. Yeah. And then what we did in 2021, so this year, the meeting that, that happened in May, it was, you know, the, the meeting, Nicole Cyberlich, I was the program chair, from the very start, planned a program that was going to be hybrid. We, we were aiming for a hybrid, and, and we had made already that decision. But that if we needed to swap to a, a, an online, it wasn't going to be, if you're on the same complications that the year before had, it, it was going to be an easier switch to a, 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 a virtual one. And when to make that call, as I said, it was a combination of looking at how things were evolving with the pandemic, but also the other big trigger is when is the latest that you can start planning, uh, you know, if you did for a hybrid, going for an online and still put all the format and all the abstracts in that place. And so there was a time in our cases that when the uh, program, committee meet, uh, program committee meets to decide all that, that essentially is as late as we can push it. Beyond that, we can push it. Okay. Um, and then, so we, we might make the call before that if the pandemic it becomes clear that anyway, there is no point to keep on waiting because, you know, the decision is made. But otherwise, once we get to that point, we need to make a decision. And this year is going to be a similar thing. But, but I agree with, with, with Ron and also with, with Randy, what you said is this year in some ways looking much better. So we are very optimistic that there will be um, a meeting. And so coming back now to your first question of, the, of this block, how the meeting is going to be. Um, you know, we decided, uh, we did a strategic review uh, about how our meeting was going to be the formats earlier in the year or late last year, and now they all mixed up. And, and the decision was made that we were moving to, uh, you know, from now on meetings would, would have a hybrid component. There would be always, um, uh, they would have an online part. That's the decision. And, and to be fair, you know, this is not something that, that um, was created by the pandemic. It was very clear, and I think Ron emphasized yeah. that, that there was a there was a big movement to you know people that for environmental reasons don't 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 want to travel for family reasons, personal reasons, other commitments, professional commitment, language barriers, financial you know you name it. Yep. It was coming. You know there was the pandemic. The only thing was just sped up the decision of how we need to move to a hybrid format, but it was on the cards already. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So the 2022 meeting in London in May will be a hybrid meeting. They, I, I completely agree with what Ron's sentiment, and, and it's exactly what we're thinking that you know we can't sacrifice the in-person part. Can be then you can't have people in, in nowadays in London sitting at the SMRM meeting just watching 
recording press they had on the on the monitor right. screen it just would be absolutely mad yeah um, and, and also there is no reason to do that um so same to have what you hear is unfortunately i can't tell you everything in the sense because we are in the middle of sorting out everything so it's not that we have the final decision but i mean some things that we have made a decision is for example we won't be uh repeating sessions and multiple time zones so we are we're trying to deal with the time zone in a slightly different way um so presenters don't still have to present in the middle of the night of their own time and, and believe me being from australia uh, it happens a lot to us that yeah. so <laughs> i know firsthand how that works um but uh, i mean the right is we always strike the same it is if you work for international societies like all of ours it is the major major problem is how to deal with time zones it, and it's something that we're all trying to find uh, ways to deal with that. Uh, and, and yeah, this is going to be a nice taste case 2022 because we are all trying to come up with good strategies yeah, to, to deal with that. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. So, so right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I can imagine, right. I mean, with virtual, so you expect that a person will be less flexible, but you know, when we go overseas, you know, we, we get jet lagged and we deal with it. And so, you know, you yeah, I think that, I think the difficulty is, and again, I can say it because I've lived it in the, you know, in, in these meetings. Is I definitely have huge jet lag when I go abroad from Australia, uh, and and I love not to have to have that, and it's great. But when I'm having in these meetings, if I'm in the middle of the night on a session, my work here and my everything here, it's, I mean, it's not that I'm not in Australia, so every, I can't just say, well, for a week nobody can contact me. Now. I'm, I'm not in, I disappear. So that's the bit that it doesn't just work. You know, I'm as, as tired in, when I go to London myself from Tony Brown here for jet lag, that if I would be looking at sessions at three in the morning here, but the difference is then I can go to sleep there and not have to worry about anything else. I can't do that here because my work and my things here, the family, the kids going to school and all that still goes on and I'm here. Yeah, so that's uh, really hard, right? Yeah, so I think that's a complicated, so we, I mean, we have, as I said, we know we haven't quite finalized the program, um, uh, the, how they would work, but uh, it, the ISMRM normally, even pre-pandemic, had three formats. That is the, you know, oral sessions, your power pitch presentations, so short talks and follow for the posters, and then your e-posters. What we are going to have is kind of a fourth type that is going to be the ones for them. Um, uh, online, so the, the, the okay. presenters that are from outside. So it's not that we're going to start mixing sessions, like in a session, you're going to have half of the people talking from online and half of the people talking from. Oh, that's a great there. idea. But, yeah. but, but it's, you know, we haven't yet uh, quite uh, finalized how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen and all that. But it, yeah, we're going to try to be in, in London time and, and, and deal with that. But it's, yeah, it is the, the time zones is the headache for everybody. It's an, an unfortunate yeah. thing that we can't change. Yeah, yeah. And so, right, I, I still, uh, so do you think, do you anticipate, I mean, it's hard, it's almost impossible to predict. I mean, obviously when people register, you'll just look at the re registration and try to figure out how many are coming, but um, do, do, does that, do all of you anticipate that, I mean, it will, will uh, obviously, you know, during these years, it's hard to know whether you'll break even with, you know, meetings and things like that, but do you, do you anticipate that it will be a high enough attendance to, uh, you know, to actually, uh, will it be at least half of what it was before in person? Or now, before? I've had wild speculations all the way from like, almost nobody says super low unless, you know, for example, we have to stop it and not have it. I think that there's such 
a pent up demand after going so many years without being together that if people, you know, if, if our learning to live in an, a, a global pandemic, because it will still be a pandemic. I mean, no matter how good news is for the next months till April, May, June, there still will be COVID spreading and causing trouble in many, many places. And we might be lucky enough that our particular meetings and our particular persons who would come to our meetings are able to be enough protected, enough vaccinated, enough resourced, enough everything to have the privilege of gathering in person, because that's really what it is. You know, we are really privileged to have this opportunity. And, and we're all trying to do our best to be responsible and to do it respectfully and responsibly and, and all the good things, but we are really fortunate to, to be able to have this opportunity. Um, you know, if we can do that, people want it a lot because I think none of us here doubt the importance of those face-to-face -face interactions. Which of us hasn't started one of our best research projects or one of our coolest ideas from the conversation that we had with our buddies as we were walking from one spot to another at one of these meetings. And I don't know how many of you were fortunate enough to hear Carl Friston give his, his Glass Brain Award tribute speech, but he gave one of the most moving speeches I've ever heard at a con convention. And basically what he said was look around the room and, and, and look, at the eye, look into the eyes of the people who are around you because these are your colleagues and your friends and your peers. And these are the people who are gonna be here for you and with you as you go through your career. And they're gonna help you find your postdocs and they're gonna help you, you know, give you places to send your postdocs and, and they are gonna help you really achieve your full potential as a scientist, right? And that's what these meetings do. And doing that virtually is just really, it's not even a close second, it's not even a close third. It just, it just isn't. And so like further virtual bits of what we're gonna do in 2022, we're not even gonna pretend to do the social events that we, we did try to do some social events in Planet Brain. It was not a pretty sight. Yeah, I, always <laughs> found, that, I found that really weird too. I mean, you know, not only for OHBM, but in general, I was at with the ISMRM and it's like, you kind of show up, you're a little, you're a little figure in gather town or whatever. And, and you kind of like, oh, you walk up to a person. Oh, hi. And uh, virtual works for these small, like, like, you know, you know, we're recording this podcast over zoom. And so we can see each other and I'm enjoying very much seeing your faces and, and what the people who are listening to us, they can't see is that every time one of us is speaking, the other three heads are all just nodding up and down all the time. And we're all smiling and nodding at each other. Cause yes, yes, yes. And you can't, you can't experience that over the, you know, over the audio. So the podcast is missing that. But that's on steroids, the problem with trying to do a virtual event with 3000 people. Because right. you know, when, you, when, you, when you're at a meeting and you're trying to walk around, you know, you're, you're streaming out of a, of a big plenary talk and everybody's buzzing because that was just like the coolest thing you've ever heard. Because yeah. like CNS, you know, most of the people who come to OHBM are postdocs and graduate students and young faculty. And, and they're, they're, this is exciting. And they've never seen, like, many of them have never traveled before. Many of them have never been in a room with this many people <laughs> that did what they did and could relate to them and could talk their language, you know? And, and so it's really exciting. And, and, and the ones who are all excited about making virtual work, it's because they just don't know what 
they're missing. Right. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. You don't want to lose that. And and people will realize, you know, there's so right, as you said, there's so much more information. There's so much more human connections. There's so many more spontaneous interactions that you get, which are really valuable as far as that's concerned. So and it's fun too. I mean, like it's, it's fun. fun. <laughs> it's fun to go someplace different where you yeah, and, uh, you know, even San Francisco in, in the country is, is you know, I, I'd love to visit San Francisco again and soon. But um, so, so, okay. Well, you, so, have, you have an open invitation, Peter, and I expect <laughs> to see you there now on April 23rd. All right. Well, I will, I will, um, you know, it's open. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, come. All right. Well, I, I will, I will seriously consider that. I, I'm. <laughs> suddenly I'll be gone the whole time and going to meetings. Um, but yeah, no, I'm actually, I, I love, I love, and I've been to all these meetings and I, and I love them all and they all have their, and that's another thing too, all the meetings, the, the personality of the meetings come out in person much more. I mean, each meeting has its own atmosphere, its own culture uh, that you don't get as much just looking at the virtual part of it, which I think is really unique as well. Um, so, okay, so then just to finalize, just to end this uh, as, we're, as we're approaching the hour here. Um, so what do you think? Okay, so, so we're all keeping our fingers crossed. We're all you know, going full steam ahead. We're, we're gonna have these, these meetings, but what do you think actually has been the benefit? You know, certainly COVID has catalyzed the use of Zoom. I mean, Zoom in general for like, even for my work, I can I find reasons to, to use Zoom. I can imagine even using it once we're fully back, but um, a lot more. So what do you think that, uh, this has sort of catalyzed. I mean, we already talked about this a little bit that, you know, hybrid meetings and things like that, but what about like even the idea of having workshops that are more virtual, like spread around the year or things like that? Um, uh, I don't know what your thoughts might be. Well, on that. We, we have seen that with some of the other societies have started to do things like that already uh, during, you know, the uh, SFN had the, what was the global connect home or something uh, and things like that, yeah. that were, you know, this is sort of sprouting up. And so I think that it, it does, Fernando said it well, it, you know, it's, it's forced us to think uh, about it more directly um, and, and it's helping, I think. And it, and it, it also, I, I, you know, it makes us think about the other opportunities. And as I said in the very beginning, when we opened up our, for the very first year, when we pivoted to, to virtual in the middle of the emergency, uh, having uh, more than three, what was it, more than 300 additional posters join, which so normally we had, you know, we'll have 1500 to 12 to 1500, depends on the meeting year and so on. So, you know, we think we had like 1200 and then we get 300 more. I mean, that's, that's big, right? And, um, you know, it made us really realize uh, how important that was. And then people have spoken up and, and just literally said, well, actually, I've been waiting for you to do this anyway, because independent of the pandemic, I was worried about the environment or I, was, or I couldn't travel because I didn't have money or I just had a baby or whatever it is. And so we, you know, it makes you think about it a little bit. So I think the future is that, you know, we've sort of some of it's, it's the psychological barriers, the first step always. Well, we were over the barrier right now. You know, we've been living this virtual life for the last two years. Yeah. Um, we're over the barrier a little bit. We understand that we can do it. The technology is, is now supporting us. Uh, there's going to be better and better technology. They're really, you said in the beginning, the people are, these companies are popping up all over the place to, to meet this demand. Uh, big multinationals are figuring out that they're going to get more work done and make more money because they can do things virtually instead of flying everybody all around the world unless they need to do it. But you know, I think that the whole world is learning from this. And um, 
so I think for, you know, for CNS, and I'll just sort of narrow back down to our society, you know, I, we don't want to go back. We want to open the doors. We want to be more inclusive. We want to give people the opportunity. And, uh, and we've, you know, we really appreciate that there, there are people that could come to the last two meetings who always, always wanted to come and never could. And it wasn't COVID, keep them away. It was other factors, the ones, all the ones we talked about. Yeah. And uh, they could finally come. And that's, I think that, you know, that's just worth so much. Uh, it's, you know, it's why we're in this business, right? We disseminate knowledge and, and help train people, Randy said it earlier, you know, to, to, to really make that change in the world. And so we, this, I think, is a big opportunity for us. And we don't want to go back. We don't want to go back. I have a, a fantasy and I'm, I'm, I'm framing this very clearly. This is not yet and may never happen, but my fantasy is that this, uh, this planet brain platform that we, we launched for last year's meeting, it has the kind of bones that has the opportunity to be like a 24 seven global available space for our members, right? Where you can log in and you can you know you can do your your brain yoga in the corner or or you can join each other around little meeting tables and socialize or you know for under resourced places where they don't have easy access to to meetings you know uh, online capabilities like this um, that it could potentially be like everybody's home space and that we could you know rent out you know you basically just need to sign up for using the space because it might get really popular and then we you know it we only have so many virtual rooms we have to pay our subscription goes up or we have to program more so like that you know maybe there's some minimal charge to use it or to create accounts for your guests to come in and, and be a guest speaker there or something but you know wouldn't it be cool to have like your own lounge that's your society's like hangout spot and you could just go meet there anytime you want it I love I love that idea. I, that's, the whole idea is that's my our, fantasy. I'm, like, I'm, I'm working on it, Peter. It's like our our kids have Minecraft, and they you know they go there, they meet their friends online, and it's, and you right, know it, it, yeah. brain. I love it. It's like your Discord plat. It's like a Discord. Uh, you know, those of you who use Discord. But the nice thing is our 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 environment actually has this wonderful thing where you when you you know you go into a room it pops you in and it populates your little video screens like this. And you're literally sitting around the table talking in these little rooms like this. And it has a persistent chat and you know, you can name your table. It has a lot of nice fun features. And That's, so, um, and then of course, access to all the online talks and, you know, whatever. And you can yeah, have, it's in the library. You can go down the hall and check out any talk you want. <laughs> imagine having a whiteboard or all kinds of, that's, that's just, that's cool. I mean, I can imagine it growing like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I don't know if you have yeah. any thoughts. Uh, yeah, Fernando. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I mean, the big, big benefit, I think it is the increased reach that we have with um, the virtual component. And, and, you know, for example, I'm trying to think that uh, only a few months ago, I, I was invited, I gave a talk on a virtual, was an ISMRM sponsor. Uh, uh, no, yeah, sponsored, uh, no, endorsed, uh, endorsed workshop in China. And they had 200,000 attendees to that workshop. Something that, Holy you know. Cow. <laughs> it is exactly that is you know the the, the 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 reach that you can have with this could be much much bigger than we had before yeah it also creates lots of opportunities for growth and, and expand to areas that we couldn't expand before um as i see the the flip side of this and, and that's the maybe what we all are going to have to have to work very hard to avoid 
is that there is a possibility that this is going to kind of discriminate and create some bias for some groups and communities. You know, so we've been discussing, is it going to be like the group that goes to the in-person meetings and the groups that can go either for language barriers or for financial resource or for care responsibilities or for, you know, environmental. Uh, yeah. That's a really good point. And is it going to, so it's something that we're going to really have to work hard to avoid that situation that we create two communities that they, yeah. you know, it, that's going to be very unhealthy if we end up in that situation. And we, we don't have them in that situation, but that's something that we're going to have to very consciously try to avoid. It's not going to yeah. happen just by default. So that's, I think, the, if you want the flip side of the, the disadvantage of the, what we're going to in this situation. So what, or that has come up a lot as we were sort of mindfully deciding, you know, what to do for this year. A lot of people lifted up ideas about should we distribute the conference? So like, instead of being in one place, we would have simultaneous conferences that would occur in, in sort of the three different big geographical areas. And then, you know, they'd be like spokes and wheels and they could have little clothes, you know, like, could we have like little pilot ones or should we, instead of having one big meeting, should we have multiple meetings that are smaller or local or, you know, so lots of variations on the theme that would help to, to address that, that kind of, uh, you know, situation. Um, it's going to be one of the topics that we have a strategic planning retreat coming up for council. And, and that's actually one of the topics that we are going to sort of bang around some, I'm not sure we're going to figure it out, but we're going to be talking about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, okay. Well, you know, we're, we're, this is, this has been useful and, and it's sort of useful to me because, I mean, it's maybe useful to all of us because, you know, one, there's, there's, Different solutions potentially, and there's different uh, different constraints. But at the same time, there's a lot of similarity to, to what we're all going through here. Um, and it seems that some of the conclusions we've all come to are sort of co converging on this idea that, you know, yes, we're going to have a meeting in the spring, and uh, it's going to be pretty hard to cancel. It, we really don't want to cancel it and or or change it to purely virtual. And it will be there will be some hybrid version, and and I think actually it'll be useful. It's an experiment, you know. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of variables we 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 won't anticipate uh, that will just work out, and obviously there'll be there'll be good feedback from the membership as well, and uh, um, we'll see what happens with with all of these. So, but I think you're right. I think we all want to travel again, and we think and I think that the the perception is that it's above threshold for being safe and uh, and the plus side far outweighs the risk right now, so. And if you're gonna be in leadership of these organizations, you have to be an incurable optimist. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. All right. With that, um, yeah, I'd just like to, to Thank all of you for, for for taking the time to 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 chat here, and I think that this will be a, a really we're going to try to you know hopefully the people listening to this podcast it's uh, it's probably only about a week after we recorded this at the most, and we'll have it out. So, all right. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it here. It's it's sort of nice to be if you're in the trenches. It's nice to know you're in trenches with like really good people trying their best to. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all dealing with this. We're all trying to figure it out. But uh... thanks, Peter. Neurosalience is brought to you by the Organization for Human Brain Mapping. This week's episode was produced by Niels Mullert and Rachel Stickman. <laughs> <laughs>